Hello and welcome to Court Games, a Legend of the Five Rings podcast funded by the Legend of the Five Rings Discord Patreon. This podcast will focus on the role-playing game stories and lore for Legend of the Five Rings. I'm Korva. And I'm Kikita Kaori. This week, we are going to be doing another one in our Interesting Environments series, and it's going to be Marshes and Swamps. However, we do have a certain amount of news. Just a bit. We have new information regarding the Rich of the Wild. Uh, we know that it is due Q1 of 2022. It's about 150 pages long. I didn't check to see if that's much longer or shorter than the other ones. Yeah, yeah. It will have Naga in it. There's a Naga on the cover. There will also be a Celestial Realms and possibly other reprints uh, of currently existing books also in 2022. Uh, from some notes from Aconite, they've, they've had things pushed into 2022 due to publishing issues, but it looks like they plan for everything to have it all resolved during Q1, so... And I keep keep having to remember that 2022 is a lot closer than I th- thought it was. <laughs> it's the future, man. It's the future. Uh, we've also gotten from Aconites a, a new Daidoji Shin short story called Kasami and the Kitsuki Method, which is available on the Aconite website, and there'll be links in our show notes. And you can also find Legend of the Five Rings character sheets for Daidoji Shin and... Hiromori Kasami, which is neat. Um, they're statted not as player characters, but as uh, NPCs. We, I think we both kind of looked at the conflict ranks and went, really? Conflict <laughs> ranks are... They're, they're good. <laughs> they're good. They're beefy. They're, they're supposed to be beefy, I, I think. Uh, I think uh, Shin's Earth Ring is a little low. Um, but otherwise he might be a hair too tough. <laughs> it's all the carousing he does. Um, yeah, he's possibly not the best of health. It was a, it was a fun little story and, um, having, having the character sheets is kind of nice. So, uh, you should go check that out if you haven't already. Talking about which there's also a live stream on Friday, this upcoming Friday, which may be the same day that this becomes released for all I know. That is with the author, Josh Reynolds, and I believe that it's going to be on Facebook. So you need to like connect through the Aconite um, Facebook page to get to that. But we'll have a link to that to the tweet regarding that, and you can get there yourself. Righto. So let's get started. That's the news that we've had. <laughs> Swamps and marshes. Yes, swamps and marshes, interesting environments. So um, you're our expert on all things geographical. So why don't you, something like that, yeah. Uh, Yeah, actually, I have uh, a little bit more experience with uh, this topic than you might think, because my master's thesis is on tidal marshes. So while I'll try and avoid technicalities, the experience of sinking to your hips into a marsh, a tidal marsh and uh, trying to crawl out on your belly to get out and various experience like that I am very, very familiar with. 
So uh, it is it is something to subject a samurai in armor to that that you might not consider. But that can be quite yeah. It's it's quite interesting. I am one of the people who have, in fact, experienced what it's like to fall into quicksand. There are four different kinds of swamps and marshes, or wetlands, if you want to call this as a as a roll up. Uh, there are bogs and fens. Um, bogs and fens are both generally freshwater areas, very nutrient poor. So they're not good for growing anything else. Uh, they'll generally grow grasses or they'll have a lot of decaying plant matter in there because they're just not good for a lot of plants to be growing to use that plant matter up and, and recycle it into into fresh plants. So so those are the ones that are kind of smell bad. They're often peaty and, and can be used for that. So those are bogs and fens. Yeah, so so they, 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 they're the ones that tend to be really oxygen poor, aren't they? Because sometimes things get preserved in there because there's no oxygen for them to kind of rot away. Right. And that's because they're very low nutrient areas. There are two kinds of marshes. Uh, there's a freshwater marsh. And as it says, freshwater, they tend to be a, a, a single monoculture of one kind of plant or just a couple kinds of plants, but they're very nutrient rich. Unlike what you might think, they do have grass ones, but the more interesting ones for your games would be a lotus marsh or iris marsh or skunk cabbage marsh, uh, which are really neat environments, uh, I think, to, to, to work with. And, uh, they're very, they're not uncommon in even Japan. They're small. But, but they're not uncommon. Then there are saltwater marshes, and saltwater marshes are in estuaries, river mouths, where it usually is only grasses that are resistant enough to the salt water. So they will be saltwater grasses, and they're often riddled with crabs and small tidal creatures. They are often uh, underwater during high tide, uh, but also also an interesting environment. And they will be along the coast and par- parts of the coast. So those are two types of marshes. Again, these ones don't smell funky because they don't have decaying plant matter. They're live, functioning, full, happy ecosystems. Yeah, so any dead plant matter gets eaten pretty quickly. So it's not there rotting away, yeah. Right, it's just like soil. Swamps are a wetland where the primary plants growing are woody, are are trees or bushes or some combination of them. They also tend to be one kind of plant, but they don't have to be. They can be cypress swamps, which are generally uh, freshwater. Um, and and when you see the spooky spooky swamp pictures with the red uh, kind of irregular trunk trees growing up together, those are those are cypresses or uh, mangrove swamps. Mangrove swamps are usually uh, brackish water or salt water rather than yeah, fresh water. They're, they're- they're the ones because in when I think of like a cypress type swamp, 
it's basically water and the kind of trees growing up out of it. But in the mangrove swamp, it's like literally the roots of the trees are exposed. But they're growing out of the water too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, actually, you can see the roots more. I think in the in the the mangrove swamp. Yeah, right. Mangroves have a, a pale gray bark and very large roots that do come out of the water where cypress generally their roots are down below the water level and they have um, this reddish bark with evergreen like leaves on it. So if you want to see some pictures of marshes in Japan, Kushira Marsh in Japan is a very famous uh, state park that is available and got some gorgeous pictures of it. Uh, they are known for their red-crowned cranes that live there. Uh, this this marsh habitat is the ideal habitat for cranes. So and they have wooden decks that you can walk out or you can navigate these marshes by boat. For all of these wetlands, they vary, even in the same kind of wetland, as to how wet they are. So sometimes they're navigable by boat. Sometimes they have many, oftentimes they have many channels that are navigable by boat, even if the they aren't just freely navigable by boat. Sometimes they're, they're not. Sometimes uh, it's just mud at the surface and sometimes it's deep. And usually it varies depending on the weather and the tide, if they're tidal. So it, it, does, it doesn't stay one, one thing. And you've got, you've got to have what places that are like inconveniently dry to go by boat, but inconveniently wet to go by any other method. Right. So, yeah. So I presume that we most likely get the kind of the mangrovey types. They'll be you'd, you'd expect to see those more on the mantis places, the islands of silk and spice, or spice and silk, whichever way around it is. Uh, I probably, probably the most wouldn't. likely place you'd see that, but. I probably put wouldn't put them on the on that. I would probably put mangrove um, in the crablands. Uh, they talk about mangrove as being in the Shinomum, which is not saltwater, but but down there around Shinsei's Last Hope, things like that, might be some places where you put mangrove swamps. Um, more just because uh, the Mantis Islands seem pretty straight up and down to me so it doesn't seem like a good place to put a lot of mangrove but you know you do you we don't have an exact location but you know they did say mangrove swamps in the shinoman which is kind of far away from the ocean so you know whatever works for you <laughs> so they they might be thinking they might be thinking trees with exposed roots rather than specifically mangroves Maybe I don't know. The Shinomen is a weird place anyway, so who knows what's going on? Who knows what's going on? So there are a variety of animals that you tend to find in swamps that are very kind of iconic. They will see a fair amount. Uh, fireflies and dragonflies are well known. You you often see yeah that in in all the depictions they're the ones that are, that, that that you see quite a lot. Um, they're actually quite plentiful. Uh, cranes. Like similar to oh, you've got the red, red crowned cranes in the Kushira Marsh in Japan, but other cranes as well, especially they, so and other presumably other wading birds as well. So they will be wading in the uh, in the more fertile ones. I suspect not the bogs and fens because there's not nothing to eat. 
but in the others there's going to be fish there's going to be things so you'll see them waiting around the giant salamanders in japan, can be seen yeah. here and there so that's that's a cool thing from japan then you can they can get quite big and they're they're neat they get quite big yeah 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 <laughs> yeah yeah and fish obviously you know where there's water if there's any kind of ecosystem at all where there's water you'll find fish which is also what the cranes are after and where you'll find fish you may well find kingfishers sitting on the the, the branches near the shore and diving into the water and looking very pretty yeah so we have this image in the west of marshes of swamps and stuff as being like scary inhospitable places right but this is pretty decent land to be converted to agriculture when your agriculture is rice farming, all right? And it's open and you have a broad view of the sky in these marsh environments as well. You And in a land where forests are hostile and mountains are mysterious because you can't see around you, which is what most of Japan is, much of Japan is. This is very up and down. It has, this, especially historically, marshland doesn't have this uh, scary aspect in Japanese folk telling as much as forests and uh, and mountains would be. Does that make sense? So you're going to find a lot of gorgeous poetry about the vistas of a marsh. Right, and yeah, it, it might depend on because you get the ones that are in deep in forests that are basically it's like a forest only the floor's wet. That I suspect is going to be a different feel, but the actual wetlands, the wide open ones where you have the cranes and and kingfishers and all that, yeah, that's that's they're going to see that's much more friendly. I suspect. Right, and and in Japan, and this is different from Rokugan, the forests are on the higher land and therefore are less likely to have these full, on, you know, very big areas of full-on swamps, tree-filled uh, wetlands. I'm not saying they don't have them, but they're small areas. And, you know... If they're in the middle of a, another forest, then of course, yes, the the scary forest wins the draw. But it just it doesn't have some of the same implications, I guess, as as we have in Europe, as far as I can tell. You, you, the idea of a scary scary wetland is not as as prevalent. You've got these areas that are very very beautiful. What does that mean overall? Marshland, as I said, is often going to be considered undeveloped or somewhat difficult to develop farmland. It's going to be quite wet. But rice paddies need wet, especially if it's fresh water. If it's salt water, then it's actually pretty good foraging uh, for crabs and, and shellfish. It's a good area for food uh, in a saltwater marsh, marshy area. So these are not hostile environments these are um as i said plentiful environments i find myself wondering whether marshland like all the marshland that could be converted into growable land has been converted to growable land 
And so the only stuff that's left is like it's too wet, as in because one of the parts of rice farming is actually restricting water at the right time. And if it's too wet and you can't do that, it's like, ah, it's too much hassle. And so the only marshlands that's left is just too hard to develop. All the freshwater marshlands, I mean. And that's a completely different one to, oh, we can't grow anything here. It's more, it's too much hassle. (laughs) We might as well just forage here. (laughs) So Rokugan fluctuates a lot in population. All right. And bad things happen. And then lots of people die. Because of that, in my mind, Rokugan is filled with large areas that were populated, you know, at various points in history, but aren't necessarily populated at this moment in history that your role playing game is is occurring. So this marshland area could have been developed, but then reverts back to marsh as the walls break down of the rice paddies. And now it's all marsh again, because there is nobody to control it and and maintain it, because that's what happens once this all is is overgrown. The Uebe marshes in Cranelands I think is something very similar to that that may have been populated, may have been converted and then converted back. But we'll talk about in Rokugan a little bit later. However, and Swampland is forest. You know, it's a, it's a different kind of forest. It's small. Um, it, it is harder to log than regular forest, but regular forest isn't getting a large amount of logging either. And that cypress, when they do it, is a really good wood. <laughs> this is where you want your boats to come from. So the the logging in Swampland is, uh, if it is available and not in the heart of the Shinoma or something, that's where everybody's going to be going for their boats and their wood because cypress is really great wood for many purposes, many building purposes. So in my head, Scorpionlands has a lot of swampland just because the art on their strongholds mostly. <laughs> Easier to pose of the bodies, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, that doesn't mean there's no industry, even if it's not developed. Um, there's actually a fair bit. Uh, one of the industries found in swamps or in marshes and swamps is uh, the growing rami. Rami is a natural plant that makes a thread or fiber that's very strong and gets stronger when wet, uh, unlike like rice fiber or something like that. So it is very much used for coarse cloth, baskets, and twine and fishing nets, that sort of thing. So rami thread is is um, grown in swamps. Lotus swamps are eagerly foraged. <laughs> Most of the lotus plant is edible and delicious, including the flower, the seeds, the root, the stem, and the leaf can all be used for cooking. So, And they also pickle very nicely so you can... And make other foods so you can, if you have a lotus uh, lotus marsh, you will be doing all things lotus and exporting it because it'll all add to your uh, goods that can be shared and eaten. 
Um, we've already talked about cypress wood, very durable, very valuable, good for boats, which I can only assume is because it grows in very wet conditions, so it's good with water. We talked a bit about bogs turning into peat, but in Britain, I certainly know peat is very often used for fuel. It's it's kind of sort of ish becoming coal in a way, but it can be burned for fuel um, if it's harvested carefully. But I don't know whether I don't I haven't heard of anything like that happening in Japan, so I don't know. If yeah, peat the- <laughs> was you was it that sort of peat? It's not that sort of peat, and that's hard for me to explain. I, I've got I've been reading technical papers because of course I'm reading technical papers on the nature of Japanese peat. Um, <laughs> it's a little, it it's. It it doesn't work for 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 fuel for for this this purpose at least in Japan and it and it was it's very wet and just not the same um, not the same stuff so it didn't didn't work well as as fuel so the Japan you're working on charcoal in general I think uh, which we've talked about already uh, there there's a lot of foraging of shellfish. Uh, we don't think about shellfish as, you know, when we think about shellfish in the modern day, we think about ocean ocean shellfish like oysters and all kinds of things like that, scallops and stuff. Um, however, there is a good, healthy uh, consuming of freshwater snails, freshwater mollusks and crawfish and stuff in these marsh ecosystems. And they're actually, you know, easier to transport too. You know, you want to keep them alive as well. So um, just because you are in the heart of lion lands or scorpion lands doesn't mean you're not eating shellfish. You're eating freshwater shellfish, and they're just as, you know, shellfishy as... <laughs> You're, you're eating freshwater snails and stuff, so um, and that's fine. Toss them in the stir fryer. And as I said, they can these these lands also can be converted to rice paddies. So as as development of such an area will grow, um, parts of it will be converted to rice paddies. Yeah. So looking at the kind of places that would you would find the villages and occupation occupied areas, if they're in a swamp or a marsh, then given that for most of them the water level can go up and go down, they're very likely to be on posts, won't be sat on the ground, which is actually true of Japanese houses in general, but very much more these are houses on stilts. And there'll be wooden walkways between the buildings. And there could be a quite a complex arrangement. And the fact that they're not tied to being on the land means they can very often spread out into any kind of small lakes and things like that. And like literally, I'm going to go fishing, and you walk out to the veranda and chuck a line over the over the edge. And sometimes they're only accessible by boat. It's the only way to get to them. So they can end up very isolated. Yes, very, very isolated, uh, quite defensible, which can lead, which can lead to a whole bunch of interesting aspects which can show up in your game. Because because they're so isolated, <laughs> they can uh, have some interesting ideas, and they do secret things, and so on and so forth. Now that said, it's they're not as isolated as these remote mountain villages, because 
you know, you can often have these these kind of wetland villages be centers of commerce. It's just you're only going to be able to access them by by boat. But that's okay. That's what boats are, you know, if it's near a trade route, if it's trading, if it's trading like lotus or anything like that, you can easily have this kind of um, free flow of commercial activity. It's just, it's just, it's just wet. <laughs> so uh, you could have them remote or you could have them be a, a commercial agricultural hub, but still very defensible because it's only accessible by boat. Um, now, this is Rokugan, so supernatural, supernatural things, you know, that might, you might want in your games or might be relevant to, to swamps and marshes. Uh, as we said, uh, these are not as spooky uh, as forests or mountains uh, in Japanese folklore in general, uh, but they do tend to be somewhat supernaturally linked to ghosts because lots of ghost stories happen around marshes and a lot of bodies are easily dumped in marshes or swamps and not found again. So uh, it's a good place for bad things to have happened. And there's a couple of very famous stories about people uh, making their, <laughs> inviting a friend out for some fishing on the marsh and the friend goes into the drink. <laughs> there's been a terrible accident. And, and, that's the root of more than one ghost story in, in Japan about what that might mean. It, that's probably helped by things like ghost lights or phosphorescence that happen over decaying plant matter or happen in, happen in marshes or swamps. So, uh, Yeah, you can see how that kind of association would come about, wouldn't you? Right. Uh, so you can have that in your stories. You can have the haunted, haunted marsh or haunted swamp because some bad action happened there. And slightly more Rokugani aspects. Um, we have swamp trolls who are a variation of mountain trolls. So they will set up their lairs in, I presume, the more out of the way in the middle of a forest type swamp is where you're going to find your your swamp trolls whether they're tainted trolls or not is going to be that could vary <laughs> i suspect yeah uh, uh go ahead sorry and also when you're talking about swamps especially mysterious swamps deep in the forest you kind of have to talk about the naga because their hatching grounds are known to be swamp or forest pools and you, you'd also get any any other water-associated yokai, so like kappa and such like. But especially in the shinomen, when you talk about swamps, you're going to talk about naga. We will want to talk about naga in the future, but odds on they're going to be in writ of the wild, at least from what we can see. And we don't know how similar their background is to the AEG days. So we, we, we may we may have to, to wait until we know what's going on with that. But we, we would like to cover Naga at some point. But they are associated with swamps. Yeah, I just don't 
don't want to uh, talk about them until we know how much they've changed because we've only had them in Let's one not story. jump the gun. Yes. Um, let's see. In Rokugan, we have two wetlands areas described. We've got the Shadowlands Marshes, they call it, oh, swamp might be better, of the Shinoman Forest, which is an area of the Shinoman Forest that is corrupted by the Shadowlands tape. And it's described as a swamp of cypress and mangrove. Um, this you kind of see in um, Trail of Shadows in the, the Crab Clan novella. But think a tainty area in the middle of a forest. And the specific cause of it being tainted there is not well known. That will be your icky dark, dark marsh. There's also the Uebe Marshes. And the Uebe Marshes are a high grass marsh. And it's got farming and trees uh, on the higher areas of land in the marsh. And it's the home of the Hiramori vassal family of the Daidoji. Um, these high grass marshes, they, they're really big. <laughs> if you look at the map of Rokugan. So this is a really big, big wetland. So think of it as areas of different kinds of freshwater marsh with a lot of these, these hummocky, drier hills in between. Cause you're not generally going to get a freshwater marsh area that, that, that's that big that hasn't been developed. So must be pretty wet, pretty hard to do. <laughs> And you so can that's where you find. Sorry, sorry. Continue. Apologies. No, I was just going to move on to the next bit, which you haven't finished. So you go. So basically, with those are the two that have been described. As I said, I often like putting my scorpion villages in the art and stuff. They show them in in marshes. So there's probably some swampland there in scorpion lands, um, and there can be little areas of wetland. Almost anywhere that's not on top of a hill. Uh, it it doesn't take a huge, huge area. It could be small, like five square miles is, is a big, you know, it's a decent size marsh, but it's not map of Rokugan, kind of. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might not show up in, in like if someone's writing down what you find in all of Rokugan. You might not mention this marsh, but it's still there. Or it can be if you want one, yeah. Exactly. So if you want to insert one in, it's okay to put one in the middle of lion lands or unicorn lands or wherever. Just try and think that maybe it should be nearer a river than far, farther away on top of a mountain or something, and you're, and you're good. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to talk about mechanical considerations, what it is actually like in game terms to be in a swamp, generally they tend to be entangling terrain. Either it's knee deep in water, or you're knee, knee deep in mud, or if it's uh, even a relatively dry, as in, as in you know your, your feet get wet, but no more. If there's loads of grass everywhere, that's still something you've got to haul yourself through. So that tends to be entangling terrain, which will tend to increase the target number of all move and movement actions by two. Mm -hmm. And you're just not going to get that far in a day. It takes. It takes much, much longer to move through one of these areas than if you were going on, on the roads, unless you're in a boat. 
but even even then the, the with with the boat it can depend on where the channels are exactly it's going to be twisty so you're not going to be able to go straight so if you have to go straight across a marsh you think think that it's going to be an hour to go like 500 yards it's really it it really takes a long time to get across um we have this you know you can have quicksand or or quick mud is actually much more likely in a marsh uh and if somebody goes down in quick mud uh one way you can do it is it starts requiring a TN3 to get out of this area of quick mud and then have it go up to TN4, TN5 on each unsuccessful roll. <laughs> and you're going to need assistance to get out. But then assistance needs a description of, of how people are trying to assist you to get out. Specifically, how they're trying to assist you without themselves getting stuck. Because that's the trick. <laughs> But the harder it is to get, the harder you flail, the harder you um, just try to power out, the more embedded you you get. So that's why you want this maybe penalties on on unsuccessful on, on rolls until you have to do something else. <laughs> Possibly if you have actual skills, because um, if you know what you're doing, it's basically you fall flat. And you don't try and pull yourself out as such, and it's all there's a specific method. So maybe if you know that, but if you if you're not familiar, you just kind of oh my foot stuck. I will just haul my foot out. Wait, hang on. Oh, that that didn't work. I'm not, I'm not seeing those get her again. At the very least, yeah. Forget where I get it in a marsh. Just don't even bother. <laughs> you're not going to do it. Um. Also. You might want to consider, if you've been trucking around in a marsh, raising TNs or creating a disadvantage for disadvantage filthy when trying to do social roles when covered with mud or blood. Um, (laughs) Well, yeah. Because, you know, it's really hard to take you seriously on social roles of any kind when you're in such a condition. In a very cleanliness-focused culture, like Rokugan, yeah, being top to toe in 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 filth, it's not a good look. <laughs> not a good look. So, so that might be something you want to consider your games for in your games for battle too. But especially if you're trying to wade through a marsh to get to someplace, uh, you you may need to take some steps on the other side. Hmm. So, if people are running games where they're going into marshes, going to swamps. What kind of images could they bring up to give their players a sense of place and a, a sense of the, of the atmosphere? Of course. Well, um, I like the image of a large marsh that is filled with a monoculture of water irises or swamp cabbages. Uh, mon- irises have golden uh, iris blossoms, and swamp cabbage has white flowers that look like basically calla lilies that just go for a large area in front of you, like beyond out of sight can be nothing but straight lilies or straight uh, 
irises and in the right season. They are beautiful to look at. It looks like a field of, of these flowers, but it's impossible to cross. It's all, you know, underwater, except for the these blossoms sticking out. So that's one image. You can talk about wading through a lotus wetland in water past your waist with broad fat leaves and pink flowers swaying above you, cutting off the light of the sun like a giant umbrella as you try and make your way ducked below the flowers and the leaves. It's a cool, cool, cool place to be walking through. Um, you could be uh, standing with your uh, lovely umbrella composing poetry on a boardwalk by a marsh of long grass at sunset, uh, spotted with white cranes calling and dancing in the early evening while the fireflies begin to flash over the waters. Very, very good poetry moment. <laughs> uh, polling slowly through a cypress or mangrove swamp on a shallow draft boat until a clearing opens up in the middle of the swamp to reveal a wet mossy village on stakes right out in the middle of this pool of water you could have being pushing through a swamp at night and smelling the decaying vegetation around you and you see these foxfire lamps coolly glowing amid the trees hinting at something creepy so this is some images for you to roll into your campaigns and you know find reasons to put players there. Do you have some adventure hooks for us? Yes, yes. I think I'll take this one because this is the long one and I wrote it, so it's my own fault that it's so long. Uh, it's not that long, really. but So basically, a local fishing village in a marsh, in one of those swampy areas – you know, this is wouldn't be one of the, mo the more isolated ones. But they're having difficulties. Their catches are low. There are strange smells coming from the waters. The water levels are rising and sinking unexpectedly. And they don't know what's going on. And so you have been tasked to go have a look. Turns out the local water kami has been imprisoned by a foolish fish spirit in a power struggle. The fish spirit has stolen the kami's amulet of power, but is incredibly stupid and incompetent. And that's what's causing the problems. So the characters are going to have to send underwater into the water kami's court, where the fish spirit wears court robes from 300 years ago and speaks in pretentious formalities it barely understands. And given its power, it's got the, the amulet. The players are unlikely to be able to simply fight it, so they're likely going to have to fool the fish spirit into freeing the river kami, giving up its amulet, or some other cunning plan. I love it. The characters can be searching for a rare plant that only grows deep in a marshy area near a simple village. However, actually, it's a secret shinobi trading village, and it's usually left very much alone for very good reasons. But your PCs are there. And maybe don't know those reasons. Or maybe only the Scorpion PC knows those reasons and is trying to keep the rest of the party alive. <laughs> We're just ordinary villagers. It's fine. No, you go look for your flower. I hope you find your flower really soon. Tra-la-la. -la. I love this idea of the Scorpion trying to run interference while these other clueless PCs have to it could just kill them no let's <laughs> <laughs> just troll through acting like normal pcs <laughs> the final one we've got here is 
some villainous children in a Marshall swamp have come across a strange object and news of it filters to the player characters. Turns out, it's a, when they find it, it's a strange egg-shaped thing and it is in fact a naga egg. How it ended up where it is and what's likely to happen if and when the naga come looking for it, um, well, that may well have to wait until Rit of the Wilds arrives, but that could also be up to you. And if you want an extra complication option, it's guarded by a particularly stupid swamp troll who thinks it's a special treasure. <laughs> I love it. So I hope that this gave you some ideas for putting marshes and swamps into your stories. At least it's, they are an interesting place to get through. There is a sequence in Crimson Gold Agonies that they all have in a lovely uh, part of the marshes. So you can you can check that out maybe if you if you want to listen to some podcasts set in such a place. But I think that's it for us this week. Okay. So we'd like to give out a shout out to our sister podcast and to our patrons, starting with our sister podcast, Fortune and Strife, our affiliated actual play podcast, as well as our friends at D20 Radio, who host a huge swathe of RPG contents. So do go visit our friends at Fortune and Strife and D20 Radio. We did want to call out our patrons, uh, among our lovely patrons, are Carol F. and Robert L., who uh, names himself Daimyo of Clan Aardvark. So thank you for being Daimyo of Clan Aardvark and being one of our patrons. We appreciate it. And also uh, Diogo Salazar, who is a frequent contributor online to the RPG Discord list. So thank you, Diogo. Appreciate it. Our our content is funded by the Community Discord Patreon, so that pays for our editing costs as well as the hosting costs of the podcast and our website, where you can find uh, long-term information, summaries of our podcasts, RPG tools, and more. For our patrons, we we have special bonus content like Adventure Seeds, early access to our podcasts, and more. Online, you can find us at our website, courtgamespod.com. On Twitter, we are twitter.com slash courtgamespod. And we are on Patreon at patreon.com slash courtgames. But that is it for us. This is Kikita Kaori. May the fortunes favor you. And I have been Korva. And until we meet again, keep your jade handy.
www.d20radio.com.